This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So people that are lonely, that are putting a lot of their money into cam girls and all that, and really getting attached to these women, then what about the people that are using it as a, I don't want to say a crutch, but as a way of not pushing themselves to go out and actually meet real women. So fucking what? <laughs> I think I've heard my mom talk about her sex life to me like three times. As far as I know, they've had sex four times and it resulted in four children. My parents are openly talking about it all the time. It's disgusting. Welcome to Sex Talk with my mom. I'm Cam Potter. And I'm Karen Lee Potter. My mother is a self-proclaimed sex expert and cougar. <laughs> And my son is a self-proclaimed stand-up comic, mime, and clown. It's a trifecta. It's a comedy trifecta. Uh, Together we host this podcast where we talk about sex on a weekly basis because sex is in a weird place in our society and we're having these conversations to bring some clarity to the situation. Yes, and today is no exception. Today might be one of my favorite podcasts. Me too. This is, we have an incredible guest on the show. Her name is Ella Darling. She is a pioneer in VR porn technology. And, and it is extraordinarily unbelievable how cool this woman is. I mean, first of all, she gives us our whole story from how she be, went from a librarian to a porn star. Oh, don't, and, don't give it all away, Cam. Well, and then to this VR virtual reality pioneer. And she's done TED Talks on this. It's just, she's a remarkable individual. Remarkable individual. I was so excited that she was willing to come onto our show and uh, I don't think we should say anything more. This is just too exciting. Can we just talk about a few of the things that we do? Okay. Into? Well, I got. I like to tell you about the virtual reality part with cam girls. I mean, it's like first of all, cam, the whole idea of cam cam girls is just like webcam. Yeah, not webcam. Me, my, my, not cam. It's girls. not cam and his girls. It's webcamming. Webcams. That's kind of what's taking over the porn industry. It's taking over the world. And this is the virtual reality component of webcams. So she's been to, she's been uh, talked about in Rolling Stone, in the New York Times, in, and, and as she gave TED talks, and she's given talks talks. She's legit as fuck. Uh, she's the fir- she's the first person to have a company focused on cam VR, and that's what's so cool. Cam for yeah. VR, you can but check she goes, it out. But she goes into a, a lot more than that in this because I really like what she said about the porn industry, how she got into it, how how you know what her feelings are pros and cons for porn stars and that part was fascinating what was fascinating to me was the pros and cons for porn in general and porn and in whether, virtual reality and whether it's it's you know whether we need to think about 
if this is the long-term oh, yeah. impacts of VR and porn on, on society, if we're just going to become maniacs who are fucking, fucking machines all the time. And Cam was got into some lively debate with her about this. We got this. in a little debate. We have a good time. I thought it was great conversation. It was respectful yet interesting. Thank you. All right. Uh, a quick little housekeeping thing. If you'd like to support our show, our show, our show, please go to <laughs> patreon.com slash sex talk with my mom. Patreon is the best way that you can interact with us and support us financially. It really makes a difference. It, it tells us to keep going. If, if you enjoy this at all, I mean, it's even $5 a month would be a huge difference for us. And it's, you know, that's a coffee for you. So if, if you like this content, we put a lot of effort into it and we would love if you would uh, support us there. It'll mean a lot, and we would actually do a little jig on Instagram if you do. We'll do a little jig for you. Uh, we would also like to thank... Wait, you have to tell them how to do it. Go to patreon.com slash sextalkwithmymom. There you go. You'll get exclusive bonus content there also. Oh, yeah. We're going to be doing some stories there. That It's a new component of Patreon. you got to check those out. Very fun. You could also, uh, if you want to support us, leave a rating and review on the iTunes store. We love when people leave rating and reviews. This rating and review of the week is from Herc213. He says, or she says, I don't know who it is. It says, love this podcast, five stars. You and your son are awesome, and you tell it like it is. In the, I mean, how short, yeah. sweet, and we love In a nutshell. That's all you need to do. Yeah, it, might, it would mean a lot to us if you go to iTunes and write a little review. I think we should get to the Ella Darling portion of the show. Let's do it. That was incredible, and I, I'm, I hope you guys enjoy this, and send us your thoughts at yeah. sextalkpodcast at gmail.com. We definitely want to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Let me tell you about the birds and the bees and the Ella darling in the trees. <laughs> Where do Stay I come tuned. up with these? Welcome to the show, Ella Darling. Hi, thanks for having me. No, so excited no, to have you. Happy to have you here. This is going to be an incredible discussion. No pressure. <laughs> um, but uh, you were just showing us your tattoos. Uh-huh. Do you want to get into that a little bit? Uh, what are they again? So I've got Texas on this shoulder. I got it when I left Texas. My brother has the same one on his leg. I've got a little homage to Rainbow Bright over here. And then, and then yeah, here. help me get that down. My mother is currently oh, undressing please. her. <laughs> uh, the Dewey Decimal Number for Harry Potter, which I got for my 22nd birthday after I finished grad school. That is um, wild. My, my, I studied library and information science, and Melville Dewey founded my grad school, so I figured the Dewey number would be appropriate. Wait, say that again. He founded your grad school? Yeah, he what founded the, library, the School of Library Science at the University of Illinois. University ILL. Yes. I and I, I went to Illinois too. Jesus Christ. I wasn't mother. there for very long. I, I was there for a year and then I was like, what do you gone. think of those cornfields? Uh, yeah, everywhere, <laughs> ev- like literally surrounded by cornfields and soy fields. And that like, if they became sentient, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you were studying library sciences, meaning you were on track to becoming a librarian. I became a librarian. You became a librarian. Yeah. You, you got your degree. Yes. Were your oh. parents like super proud of that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're super proud of everything I do. They're awesome. wonderful. What are, do, you, do you just do you mind me asking? Is your mom like a librarian too, or anything like that? No, uh, neither of my parents are librarians. They both work for uh, local and state governments. But um, but yeah, they're really wonderful people, and I love them very dearly. Oh, okay. So then, what happened next? <laughs> what happened? Well, because we you? don't we don't typically bring on librarians. Okay, <laughs> so I must sing, Marion. <laughs> 
Madam Librarian. Have okay. you heard that song? Is oh, that of a course. Cap- oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. yeah, that's a thing? The music Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've, ne- I've okay. never heard that song, but I'm glad you bring that to my okay. attention. Uh, any library-related media, we're probably really into it. <laughs> um, so I had been modeling since I was 18. I finished undergrad and grad school in four years. So it was really quick, and I was working the entire time. So when I finished school and I became a librarian, having a full-time job was like... I have all this fucking free time now because (laughs) I was doing all of that before. Um, And so I continued to do some modeling and I'd never done anything risque. I'd never even done like bikini modeling, but I had done runway and I had done fashion and I had done, you know, products and glamour and art modeling. For our listeners, she's obviously very attractive. Very pretty. And very tall, (laughs) by the way. You're like a foot taller than me. Oh, well, so I've been doing all that. And then I had broken up with a boyfriend that was not a great relationship. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I went on Craigslist um, where I, I actually have gotten a lot of work from Craigslist. But um, so back in the day, there was a, a gig section for adult gigs. And I found one that was for bondage modeling, hardcore bondage, but not nude. In fact, you're wearing like cute little outfits from Forever 21 and you're smiling and you're happy. You just happen to be locked up. And I was like, <laughs> wait, like wow. with ball, like ball yeah, gags, ball and gags sh- like extreme, extreme, uh, like cages and uh like even casts like uh one one shoot i did for them they put me in like an actual cast like a doctor would put you in <laughs> were uh, you in all scared that somehow you'd be stuck there and not be able to get out so um the first time i went there yeah i was very nervous i was like i don't know who this person is like some pornographer yeah. it's probably going to be some skeezy old dude who's going to make me feel uncomfortable and call me you know darling and i'm probably going to feel really uncomfortable and then i'll i'll have that experience and we'll just see how it goes i get there and this man looks like a youth minister <laughs> from like church camp in texas very handsome very smart ex-goth into poetry uh really cool like industrial classical music playing the entire time very adamant about making sure that i know my safe word that if i don't feel comfortable we can change it yeah it was like the best experience where were these uh pictures or videos going that was for a site called quality control dot something i don't remember um but yeah just this dude has had a couple of websites and he had this beautiful house in western massachusetts that was built by bondage and um i had such a good time and i made more in an hour than i made in a day at the like, library like how much it was like 150 bucks and librarians don't make a lot of money yeah hey, so, Kim, what would you think if i do a little bondage what do you think if i doing bondage <laughs> <laughs> i would think that that would be very funny <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who'd be funnier, but it'd be funny. <laughs> I anyway. have a feeling mine would be a little more neurotic and uncomfortable. Anyway, go on. Uh, so, so yeah, I did that, and it was fun, and I did a little bit more fetish, and then I tried doing my first nude photo shoot with a very good friend of mine who was an amazing photographer, and then I fell in love with that person, and after several months of doing this like fetish and nude and kind of doing some nude fetish, I figured <clears throat> if I want to do this, like if I'm going to make a career of this, which I think I might, I have to do it now. Like the time to do this is right now. My degree is not going anywhere. If it doesn't work out, I can still be a librarian probably. You, wait, can you? Can you like go back? Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but, uh, madam librarian. I, I, <laughs> um, emphasis on the madam. Yes. <laughs> but um, um, like I happen to see a little, uh, I was looking into bondage.com and I happen to see you there. Is that you or is that someone <laughs> that looks like you? Well, that's the thing. Um, I, I actually kind of figured, you know what? I can never actually be a librarian again. And I said that in an interview and there's this really big Facebook group of librarians and they were like, what is she talking about librarians are like really big freedom fighters for intellectual freedom and information access and like she'd be welcome at my library 
library. They're she could do so whatever. Awesome. And I was like, wow, guys, thanks. Yeah, from you know, and, they, and back and not so long ago, they were banning books that even mentioned the word sex. Oh yeah, and librarians have literally gone to jail at least possibly prison fighting for people's rights to access information without government oversight so like they changed the patriot act because of librarians oh my god the american library association even makes bumper stickers with a quote from some agent taken from court documents where they said radical militant librarians were like giving them a bunch of trouble wow so librarians are badasses number one (laughs) love Um, it yeah so then i i was like okay fuck it i'm gonna move to la and i'm gonna get married i'm gonna do porn and one of those (laughs) was a great choice Back the truck up. Hold on. Back it up. First of all, why marriage? Because I was 22 and I knew everything. Like, I knew everything in the world. Of course. I actually got married at 23, so I understand. Yeah. I went to U of I. So I understand. Yeah, you get it. So yeah. I moved here when I was 23. I got married. It was about a week after I did my first hardcore porn scene for kink.com. That's where I don't get it, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so I mean, we were really good friends and we fell in love really quickly. And then we were married for like four and a half years. Wait, so your director producer was the guy you married? No, no, no. He did something else entirely, but he was cool with what I did. And uh, I thought it was cool. I did lesbian porn while we were married. And uh and yeah, so I was like, look, I want to do porn. I want to do, you know, adult stuff. I want to do girl, girl. I want to do more nude stuff. Uh, and he was aware. And so it was, I mean, that was fine. And what made you want to do porn? Between the fun I had doing fetish content and the new liberated, like self-confidence I had from doing nude modeling, I figured if I put those things together, that's porn. And if I'm making this much in a day, I could probably actually make a lucrative career out of it and have a much more flexible schedule and have a lot more control over uh, what creative directions I want to go in my life. And if I'm not working a full-time job and I'm doing this, I'll have more time to explore other options. So it was was for freedom. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, cool. One other question, of course, being the mom here. What the heck did your parents think? Here they had this like like, perfect daughter. She's a librarian. It can't get better than that. You know, she's brilliant. She's got her master's degree. I I feel for your parents. (laughs) They called me when I was on set, when I was in the green room getting my hair and makeup done for my first ever porn scene. And they were like, oh, what kind of photo shoot are you doing? (laughs) And I had this like moment and it was like, okay, either I lie and then I keep lying for years and hope they don't find out, but they probably will. Or I tell them the truth. If I tell them the truth, they might be put off by it. But if I lie and they find out, they'll be upset that I lied to them and they'll be hurt that I didn't trust them. Absolutely brilliant way of thinking. Yeah. And so I was just like, yeah, it's porn. And they were like, <laughs> but no, really. And I was <laughs> like, no, it, it is. And so they asked me like just a couple of questions. They asked me, are you safe? are you sure you're safe? How do you know these people? And um, are you going to tell your husband? And I was like, yes, I'm safe. I know people who've worked with them. Like, it's fine. And yeah, he knows. So I hope you guys aren't mad. I know it's really weird. I hope that, you know, if you don't like it, we can still, you know, have a good relationship. And they were like, okay, well, call us after. It's so funny because I talked to another point. I've talked to a lot of point stars on my YouTube channel. Kendra Lust, one of, you know, one of the all-time greats right now. Yeah. She said the same thing. She was like nervous. She told her father and he said, well, just make sure you get a good accountant. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. They're definitely prioritizing the right things. Yeah. What, what would you say if your daughter came to you? 
and first, said I want to do porn. First of all. And the visual is pretty the, out, outstanding. The, the visual, we have a role reversal. So she's like the mom and I'm the daughter. So okay. it would absolutely, it would be much more likely that I'd come to her and tell her I was doing porn <laughs> than vice versa. Correct. But if she, I have to say that I would, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what I would say. I would be shocked. Yeah. I, would, I would be absolutely shocked. Do you think you would push her away from doing it? Hmm. After having talked to all these porn stars, you think I would. If you I'm being fully honest, yeah, yeah, I absolutely would. I, I, I think I had I Ooh. because I have talked to so many porn stars, and I think that it does. It, it, it is a hard life. It's, it's not easy, and I think it, the, the sacrifice is not worth it. And, and even speaking about Nina Hartley, my friend, um, she finds it hard to switch back into the regular world at, at, at her age, which is my age. She said, "You're much better off because I, I walk that line where I can talk about sex, but I don't. I'm not labeled as a sex worker." And right. she. she Wishes that she could be in that position. Yeah, I, you know, um, I'm not upset that I, I'm really glad that I did it. But at this point, if I had a child that was of age and they said, hey, I want to do this, I would tell them like, oh, there's not enough work. There's not enough that you're being paid to do the work. And the careers are very short lived. And once you do this, you've always done it. Um, mm-hmm. every, like almost every door closes for you in terms of careers. Like yeah, that, I'm lucky. That's, that's, yeah, exactly. yeah. I'm lucky that librarians would have me back, but like you want to teach? No. You want to run for office? No. You want to, I shit you not. People have gotten fired from subway because they did porn. Like wow. you can't even make a fucking sandwich for people after this. Like I love it. It's a great community. I would never, you know, if you're doing it, I think that's awesome. I, I love the people I work with. But if someone came to me, I could not in good conscience say, yeah, this is a good time to do it because the the porn world is changing and it's really hard to have a career with longevity that's very reliable, uh, that's worth the sacrifices that you have to make, that you could do any other kind of production or modeling and not lose those opportunities. Is this not to mention the other part of it, which is I, I feel so it does objectify women. It does. And I think of you as this huge brain. Mm-hmm. That, <laughs> you think of her as a huge brain? <laughs> I think you just got this, like, in, and a great personality and everything. And I would hate to think of people, like, just putting you in the, oh, she's a bunch of tits and ass and that's it, you know, category, well, which is unfortunate. Here's that, the thing. They do that anyway. And this is, this is part of why I did it. That like, is true. I get that, too. <laughs> when I was a librarian, people called me the hot librarian. And now that I'm a porn star, they call me a smart porn star. And I'd rather be the smart anything than the hot anything any day. Oh, At least wow. now, when men objectify me, I'm literally making them pay for it. Like, yeah, And here's the there. thing. like People objectify each other all the time. Like You don't go and have your... You don't go to Starbucks and sit and think about what a well-rounded person your barista is. They're doing a service for you that you're paying them for, mm-hmm. and they've engaged in it, and you've engaged in it. It's transactional. Just the same as what I do is. And do people objectify me? Sure, but it's a consensual objectification. And it's transactional to the point where it benefits me as much as it benefits them. And you're very beloved. I mean, when I... I mean, I've interviewed a number of points. I was in, like... And if I bring up a name on my YouTube channel, Sarah J, people are like, I love Sarah J. I mean, they love, they love Nina Hartley. They love the, the icons that are yeah. out there. So Kendra Luss, I mean, can you, can you introduce me to her? I mean, they, it's like an adoration. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Is that objectification? I don't, you know. The, the one concern that I would have is that I've heard from a friend's therapist that having casual sex in general can kind of desecrate the act or like make it uh, less like it, it could somehow uh, harm your soul. 
Well, I mean, anything you do can harm your soul. And I feel like this idea that like sex can't be casual and that like if you're doing this, then now sex has become something else. Like who the fuck decided that sex had to be any one thing or other for someone in the first place? Like, I mean, I don't really give a shit. Like if I want to have weird casual sex and have it mean nothing to me, who does that affect? Like, how is that anyone's business but my own? Totally. Yeah. So, no, but it yeah. is your own. Yeah. yeah. So for me, I would be like, I, that would be a concern for me, I think. Yeah. But I'm also, I recognize I'm not the normal. No, <laughs> no, Cam, you know what? Um, I, the first porn star I've, I've ever interviewed was Alonzo Knight. Okay. Uh, um, a guy that got into it. He was in the military and his cousin was in it and he came back and he's like, well, I might as well, I can get into this, this, this house that they're all shooting you know, a porn scene. And he got into it for like a year or so, uh, maybe two years. He was like the king of the fetishes at whatever. He got all these AVN awards. Long story short, he said literally he got out of the business. He hasn't had sex for a year because he can't have like quote, quote unquote regular sex anymore. He can only do like the fetish sex. He doesn't know what it would be like to just do a regular missionary position. Right, right. Have you have you had to deal with that type of... Or... Not re- I mean... The sex that I have on camera, and full disclosure, I don't really perform anymore. Um, I only do girl to girl and only very occasionally. Most of what I do now is like corporate behind the scenes working for Cam4, which I definitely want to talk about. Yeah, oh, we I want to get there too. But, yes. yeah, um, but you, so you never did like the gang bangs and the I never did a gang bang and all that kind of stuff. But I've done a lot of other things. I've done, I mean, I did boy girl for like two years. So I've done a lot of the things that there are to do. Um, but it's like the, the sex I have on camera. And that I have at work is just like, that's my job. And that's the thing I do at work. Just like I have a lot of different nuanced relationships with people in any workplace, but that doesn't take away from the unique relationship I share with my partner. The sex I have for porn doesn't take away from the sex that I have with my partner because it's a totally different experience for Mm. me. And that's not how it is for everyone, certainly. But for me, it was always like, well, that's that's work. And when we have sex, it's something entirely different. Right. So you can compartmentalize. That's what you were asking about mainly, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it would be very challenging. But I don't know, maybe if I were in it, I would see it the same way. I think the people who are a really good fit for it are able to compartmentalize it in a certain way. And I think like that's a very necessary skill. And it's not some, something that everyone possesses because it's not something that, you know, you have to prove that you can do at the get go. It's something that you just kind of have to discover on your own. Um, and I think the people that do really well in it, both professionally and personally outside of work, are the ones who are able to see it as like, well, that's the work sex and this is the my sex, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. I always say, can you separate sex and love? Because I think that's where that yeah. ends up being. Yeah. So let's move on to the uh, cam stuff because yes. I think this is the most fascinating thing. And when you say cam stuff, you don't mean Cameron Potter. I, I might be meaning Cameron <laughs> Potter soon. Let's make this about you now. Yes. Hi. Let's make it about Hi. Cam. Yes. Let's Cam. talk about me. Uh, so we were sitting next to each other at this dinner and I was blown away by what you're doing. So can you tell us a little about what, what is going on with cam Four? she does have a big brain. She's got a big brain. (laughs) Um, so cam Four VR is, uh, what I do. So cam Four is a really big cam company and, um, my best friend and I created the first ever live webcam platform in virtual reality and we license it to cam Four. And so we created, and I am the, the head of cam Four VR, which is virtual reality live cams. So you put on your VR headset and you can watch live performers. You feel like you're immersed in their space. It's 3d 360. You can look all the way around you and you feel like you're in their bedroom with them. And it's incredibly intimate and it's incredibly engaging and, and immersive. Are and, you uh, the star of this? Um, I'm the face of it, but I don't cam in it so much. I train performers and I recruit performers and I 
my goal now is to give performers like other other performers a way to set themselves apart and to appeal to their audience in a new way so i don't need to be the star of it for that i'd much walk rather... us through this because i just can't say so cam's got this headset on mm-hmm. <laughs> why do we have to use me as the you. subject yeah or say i've got my headset on i mean are they girls only or are they guys too that are um like, both but yeah. it's primarily women so so you're gearing this towards men or lesbians uh, most of the consumers tend to be men, but we also try to incorporate uh, male performers. Gotcha. And so, <clears throat> okay, so you're, I think, so, so he, he, for our listeners, I don't think all of our listeners know even what camming means. Okay. Or, so I think or, we should explain or that. what virtual, re- let's start with virtual reality because a lot of people have never even tried a headset on. Right. So we're at this intersection that is pretty mind blowing for all of our listeners. Okay. So webcams, a webcam site is a site where you can go as a viewer and select from a large variety of performers who are broadcasting usually from their homes uh, on their laptops or on a webcam of some sort. Um, and they do... Largely sex acts, but also a very large part of it is just a sort of intimate connection with the person you're watching. Um, And so the way Cam4 works is it's a freemium site. So the performers are online and they set like a token goal. Um, And as the viewer, you can tip them tokens. So let's say I have uh, at 500 tokens, I'll do this cool thing with my butt, right? Um, But for 50 tokens, I'll do this other cool thing with my boobs. So as a viewer, you maybe tip me 50 tokens and they tip me 50 tokens and everyone tips me a little bit so I can do these little things. And then once we hit that goalpost, then everybody gets to enjoy this this other cool butt show. So right? like you're pooling all the money. Yeah. So it's almost like a crowdsourced live sex experience. And the other thing <laughs> is that tokens are actually... It's, it's you monetized. Give, yeah. You give money to this website, they give you to- tokens that yeah. you can then use. Exactly. Exactly. It's so like going to a game, like a game place. Yeah, it's like an arcade. But thank you. It's like going to Chuck E. Cheese. Yes, Chuck E. Cheese. Exactly. And so the performer makes money this way, and the viewers, you know, spend money watching this cool experience. Um, And there are many different approaches. There are many different business models for camming, but that's how Cam4 works. Virtual reality is an immersive experience where you put on a headset and you are transported to another place, another realm, another experience. It's used for gaming. It's used for videos and movies. It's used for education. Um, it's used for live experiences like this. Uh, this is called social VR. So it doesn't just have to be sex. Like a really big social VR app is called VR chat where people, they create an avatar and they go and just live chat with other people. So, so we could be doing this right now if we yeah. wanted to. Yeah. And people would feel like they're in the same room as us. Doing uh, this. They would in the, yeah, in the sense of VR chat, you'd feel like you're in this uh, digitally rendered like video game environment. Got it. Um, and so what we do combines social VR with adult VR. And those are two of the largest verticals in virtual reality right now. So you've got this sense that you're in the room with a performer. She doesn't see you. You don't have an avatar, but you're in a chat. So she can see you chatting. Uh, she can see if you're in VR or not. And you what do you mean her. you don't have an avatar? So you don't have a physical representation of yourself present in the experience. Mm. You just see the performer. And from your perspective, you see the performer in front of you. You feel like you're at the foot of her bed uh, in one uh, static position. You see in the user interface, which is you know what you see in the game, you see... Uh, a button to tip you see a chat a chat field off to the side you can type to them you can uh if you take them into a private chat you'll very soon be able to just speak to them directly voice to voice 
Um, and so that's what you see as a viewer, but you don't see, when you look down, you don't see your body or a representation of your body and you don't see a physical representation of anybody else who's watching at the same time. The only indication you have that other people are there is that they're chatting as well. Mm. And so when you tip, you are sort of tipping so that she'll engage with you and she'll say your name and she'll talk to you. Um, or if you take her into a private chat, it's because you want to have a little bit of an elevated experience where you talk and she is talking just to you and paying attention exclusively to you. And when I say she, it's because it's largely female performers, but it's certainly welcome. Uh, any any gender representation so, is, is so welcome. Virtual, the virtual, that sounds like a regular cam experience. How The virtual part of it is that you have a headset and it feels like 3D? Yeah, so it's 3D, so it's stereoscopic, mm-hmm. um, and it's 360. So we create, uh, basically we take a big picture of the room that the performer's in, and then we live broadcast a smaller video portion on top of it. So you feel like you're in her bedroom with her, but the bandwidth being used is just to live broadcast the performer herself, or themselves, I should say. Wild. And this is all proprietary technology that you came up with, um, you and your business partner. It's largely proprietary, um, and we're the only live VR cam site uh, available right now. Told you she's got a big brain. This is, this is so wild to me because it, at the, I, I talked about this in the AVN episode that we, that we did recently, but I was blown away by how the main sponsors of the event were cam websites. Oh, yeah. It, uh, it seems what, like... What, what's going to happen to porn? Um... Porn has to adopt or adapt, you know. Uh, when I first started coming to AVN about seven years ago, everywhere you looked, it was <clears throat> producers, directors, production studios, DVDs for sale everywhere. There were a lot more tables, right? And now most of the real estate is taken up by cam sites or by a few really, really large conglomerate uh, porn production companies. You know, even as a woman, I have to say, if I'm going to watch porn, I don't like that fake, like, you know, here comes the pizza man, you know, have sex. I like, if I'm going to watch it, like the real, more like casting couch where I feel like this guy is actually like, I mean, I'm sure that's probably bullshit too, but it feels more real when he's interviewing these women to be future porn stars. Right. This is something that I find really interesting because there's this whole like movement to create porn for women. And usually that means, you know, softer, softer focus and more story and less hardcore. And that's bullshit. Women like hardcore, kinky, fucked up porn just as much as men do. It's just high five. I'm not alone. Women (laughs) want authenticity, right? Because as women, I can tell when you're like three inches away from her clit and she's pretending that you're driving her to the throes of ecstasy. Like, you know, it's fake. Yeah. And I know that she's not comfortable right now and I don't get off on seeing other women be uncomfortable with men sexually especially so what women tend to really want from their porn is is realistic authenticity in terms of the way that bodies are being stimulated and you know scenarios that feel like they might actually happen and the casting class yeah the casting it is bullshit like it's all we're all tested damn you blew it for me we have to get tested at least 24 hours in advance you have to get tested every two weeks you have to sign waivers but it just seems like it's real like at the time like they're saying the stuff that maybe it's like they have to get tested and maybe they know they're going to end up having sex mm-hmm. but at the time that they're filming it it still seems like there's a realistic element to what it is well, there is. Couch. oh oh honey <laughs> oh, oh honey oh honey. Um, honey she just said oh honey to it's a it's a like um oh. at this point it's a very recognizable uh set where there's like a black leather couch on in front of a shitty white wall and it's supposed to look very raw and it's supposed to be a little bit coercive and sort of like the producers taking advantage of the performer like oh so you want to do porn or you want to be a star or whatever now you gotta like suck my dick or fuck me or let me do a little blah 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 you're into this i love that shit really yeah 
Oh my god! It turns me <laughs> on. I even though I it, it, like you said, I know nothing's going to happen bad, you know, and I, and it's never I've never watched one where the person is like, I hated this. It was the worst experience. They're usually like, Wow, that was so awesome, you know. So, right, right. I, I don't know. It, it always feels like there's an element of danger to it, but it does. You know, it's not going to be dangerous. Well, this is the thing that I really like about porn. You can watch these experiences that look very tantalizing and look kind of risky and look uh, extreme even, but you know that it's all going on between consenting adults. So even if you're watching a porn where it's like, no, don't do that to me. No, no, no. You know that all of that has been negotiated, Mm -hmm. that the people are being uh, compensated, that everybody is consenting, that there's lots of paperwork, that there's at least two forms of ID being present. So, you know, they're not minors. There's this weird idea that like a lot of porn is made by people who don't consent to it, which is so much bullshit because there are so many people willing and able and excited to do porn and ready to do it that we don't need by to. evidence of what they say on the casting couch. They put the disclaimer at the beginning saying all the events here, are, um, this girl thinks she's going to be the next porn star, but we all know that this is fake. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's what they say right from the get go. And so it's like there's a, a, an element of safety to it. Like I can watch this fantasy, but I know it's a fantasy and I know nobody is actually being raped or actually being captured or actually being locked in a basement and just taken out to be fucked. Like mm-hmm. I can indulge in a fantasy that is being performed by consenting adults in a safe situation. And that's what Got I think it. is cool. Unless you're it. Brianna Banks, who had a horrific experience, one of our oh, past God. podcasts. Uh, we'll talk about that later because all our listeners have already heard it, but she basically was a completely raped and humiliated oh my by, god that's fucking horrible yeah, when she was 18 years old it's a terrible experience those are few and far between thankfully right. but i would never want to imply that anybody's experiences are not true and certainly horrible things happen so so for for cam for vr is it just a just a, a woman by herself or are there there are men or other women involved is it solo what's the deal it's occasionally occasionally performers will team up for it but most of it is solo and i would say that the majority of, of cam performers perform solo or they'll perform with their partner which i don't have as much of in vr though we do have couple shows sometimes um but I think the the appeal of camming is that it's something you can do by yourself from your house without having to adhere to someone else's schedule and you can kind of be in charge. Right, right, right. And we've, got another, we've got an episode coming out with a couple of cam girls actually in the Fantastic. future. But the question is though, as far as like this whole technology thing goes, how do you, do they have to come to your particular place to do this? Because most people aren't going to have VR technology. I provide it. So you'll send it out to the girls. Yeah. So right now we, with the setup we currently have, I'll just send them the entire cam setup or I'll fly out and set it up for them and I'll train them on how to set it up themselves so then they can do it themselves going forward. And it's, um, I mean, it takes maybe an hour or two of like training on like, you know, here's what program you use. Here's how you set up the camera. Here's what you do. Um, and I make sure they know what they're doing and then they learn and then they're ready to go. Is it disorienting at all for the viewer? It depends on the viewer. Some people have a hard time with VR, but for the most part, we've worked incredibly hard to create um, a very robust, very uh, well-crafted experience that isn't going to make you feel disoriented or dizzy or weird. You're not moving around, so there's not really the motion sickness. That yeah, we, we did one of those. I, oh, my God, that was uh, frightening. Did you, did you do that? The, when it was like a haunted room or something, oh, yeah, there was a yeah, crazy yeah. clown coming out and oh, scaring us. Mm, yeah, vasculization uh-uh. yeah. of the clown did not like it. I don't. I cannot do horror VR. It is too much. I will fling the headset off of my head. I, I probably can't do it. horror regular films. Yeah, same. Yeah, same. it's a horrible situation. See, you guys got a lot in common here. So, what? Where do you see VR going in the future? In, in with with regard to all this, uh, with regard to adult content. Yes. Um. Well, we're seeing that more and more people are adopting VR and really engaging in adult VR. There's probably more adult VR content 
made and available at this point than there is any other content um, because adult creators are very prolific and we are used to a scenario where we have to create you know a new scene every week several a month um and that's just how porn has always been well, yeah, has yeah. Been for i used to time. work for a guy who did strictly editing for porn and they were in the forefront of technology always they're always at the forefront and it's the hugest hugest why are you laughing you i did not know that this yes. guy did edited porn uh, it's not, it's not the one guy. It's a different guy that I used to, you know, um, okay. he used to edit some of my stuff and it turned out, oh, that, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he had this whole company that was doing, um, porn and it was great. He said he never had a problem getting interns because oh. they all wanted to work, <laughs> work for him. Uh, but yeah, so we're used to creating content. So there's, there's a lot there. Um, I think we're going to see more adoption just in general in VR going forward right now. Um, most of the headsets available are like almost three years old. So there's been a bit of a stagnation. Um, there's also, so there are a couple of different kinds of VR headsets. There are some that you put a phone into. Um, and so you use your Android phone to, to watch VR, which we support. There's the Gear VR. And then there's also something called Cardboard, which is just a different kind of setup. And then there are the, the PC versions. So the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive. Um, and those are much higher end. They're a little bit more expensive and they require a really good computer. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's sort of a, I think is a bit of a challenge right now is that if you want to get one of these headsets for your computer, you have to have a really good processor and a really good graphics card. But the price of graphics cards of GPUs has skyrocketed because of cryptocurrency miners. Oh, wow. So, um, it's sort Jeez. of yeah, so this it sort of is made going it way above my head. What are cryptocurrency miners? So you know Bitcoin. Yeah. So you can get a computer that basically mines Bitcoin, which is a much greater discussion, but essentially you can kind of like use servers and use your computer and use technology essentially to raise small amounts of this cryptocurrency and then aggregate it. So people are using computers with really good graphics cards which they're paying a lot of money for to mine cryptocurrency because cryptocurrency is in this really big bubble well kind of maybe popping at this point but where everybody sees it as this really easy get rich quick scheme the result is that if you are a gamer and you want to get a new gpu it's a lot more expensive than it used to be i had no idea that's wild so anyway but now this year the uh, Oculus Rift and HTC and a couple of other companies are releasing VR headsets that are entirely self-contained. So you don't need to have a phone for it. You don't need to have a special oh. computer. It's just all-in-one at about a $200 price point. So wow. I think this year we're going to see VR adoption really uh, skyrocket in a way that it hasn't been able to in the past few years. Because the technology just wasn't there. Yeah, because it was there was a larger barrier for entry. Right. And it was a little bit more expensive and you had to be a little bit more tech savvy. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I think that there are big things coming for VR this year. Is there anything holding holding VR back still that is going to prevent it from being adopted like more so than using our iPhones or things like that? Um, well, I think because it's sort of a, a niche use case and I think that a lot of people don't understand the the multitude of, of VR applications that are available. People just are a little bit hesitant to get into it. Mm-hmm. But I think as the technology becomes more accessible um, and as people start to realize that there's a lot of content that you can use for a lot of different things, um, people are going to start to use it more. And there's a really big blockbuster film coming out this year that I think is going to make people a lot more mm. excited about VR called Ready Player One, which is, it's based on a really, really fun book and uh, it's going to be a cool movie. I think. Wow. And it's so, a VR movie. It's about VR. It's about oh. this sort of virtual reality, semi-dystopian future. Oh, man. 
you're not do, gonna watch that either no i want to watch yeah. it i'm actually interested in like where do you see it becoming a dystopian future with the advent of vr and then the robots are going to take over the world not really i mean are robots going to take over the world maybe but not because of vr i i see vr becoming something that uh supplements the way people do certain things in their life whether it's gaming or exercise or social engagement um but it could also could it, on the flip side of that when i was i was watching your ted talk by the way this brain was on ted talks this brain <laughs> you were talking before it was like right over the head um but the flip side is unfortunately so people that are lonely that are you know doing a lot of the you know putting a lot of their money into cam, cam girls and all that and really getting attached to these women they're not going out and meeting people so the thing, I mean, it could be bad if those who, you know, have, you know, real trouble, like they, they're disformed or whatever, they can't leave their place. But the, what about the people that are using it as a, I don't want to say a crutch, but as a way of not pushing themselves to go out and actually meet real women? So fucking what? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Uh, this is, there are a couple of sides to this argument. There's the one that it's like, well, what if people stop going out and stop trying to socialize? First of all, I don't think that's going to be the case. Again, I think it's going to supplement. People said that about Facebook. Like, nobody's going to have real friends anymore. The reality is that Facebook supplements your social mm-hmm. life and allows you to get closer to people who you don't simply share a geographic commonality with. You can connect with people on much deeper and higher, you know, engagement levels. Mm-hmm. Are people going to stop going out and meeting people? I highly fucking doubt it. But if they do, who cares? It's their life. It's their choice. If I want to live in my house and only order pizza and only play VR and only engage with people on the internet, like who is that hurting and why? Hmm. And the other side of it is, well, what if people decide to stop having sex with their partners? To which... Like, that's just absurd to me because it sort of places ownership of someone's sexuality in the hands of their partner, which we would never find acceptable Mm -hmm. in any other scenario. Mm -hmm. Like, your partner isn't entitled to your sex or your sexuality. And if you decide that you are really more satisfied sexually from a VR experience, I'm going to posit that there's greater things at play here than the fact that you have VR available. Like, there's probably something else driving you away from your partner in that that regard. Same thing with porn, you know. Yeah, yeah, same thing. But people do tend to... And again, it's just that you can't disallow it because people might get addicted to it, but people could get addicted to porn, which is, and they have. I um, think but- that that's a little bit more, I, Nicoletta would say that that's not accurate. I think our model of addiction doesn't really match up with what people engage with with porn. I think that you can become compulsively uh, compelled to enjoy it, but it, addiction is not maybe the right word for it. Mm-hmm. Um and there's studies Impulsive. on both sides Impulsive. of it. Sure, you can, but like and desensitize. I think also a lot of times that uh, you start out like you know, especially if kids are in seventh grade or whatever, they start out watching like you know, just a guy and a girl having sex. The next thing you know, he's watching they're watching a gangbang. Right, right. And then you get to the point when it, there have definitely been studies shown that you get to a point where you just need this extra stimulation. And I can't imagine that that might also. That I can't imagine that could also happen with with what you're doing. Now, I'm not criticizing i'm just saying it's a possible absolutely you certainly uh you could get to points where like now you're interested in some greater sexual experience to get you off but Mm -hmm. uh the other side of that is people who are very into a specific sexual proclivity who Mm -hmm. otherwise would never be able to explore it or pedophilia and that kind of thing well no well anybody is going to use any means they can to to break laws and to be 
disgusting monsters. I'm thinking more in terms of like, like let's say I have a foot fetish, mm-hmm. right? 20 years ago, I have to comb the shelves of the DVD store to see like maybe this one kind of looks like it's going to show her feet. Mm-hmm. Now with internet porn, I can find things that specifically cater to the thing I'm interested in and I can find communities that also are interested in this. So now instead of thinking I'm some weird freak that is inherently unlovable because I'm attracted to feet, I can say that, oh, this is just a fetish. This is something that other people are into also and i can sure. find partners who are into it as well i and, get guys all the time going i got an armpit fetish i got yeah. a wedgie fetish i mean these the, i don't even think i don't call them fetishes I, I always say to them it's just your preference it's an interest it's an interest i i've had guys who legitimately think that they are not worthy of love yeah. because they, they have this thing they're into and i think that something like this that can help people understand and normalize their the things they're into i think that's perfectly fine mm-hmm. and um Maybe it will make people want bigger and harder sexual experiences. Who fucking cares? If you're into that thing, you're into that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I win? Yeah. Yeah, weigh in, Cam. Weigh I'm, in. I'm the more conservative one of this bunch. So I kind of came away from the AVNs being like, oh, I actually posed a question to our Patreon saying like, is is porn overall good? Like, I, I'm not sure. On the one hand, I feel like it's providing people pleasure, you know, it's a you know what else are we to live for besides like being happy and you know experiencing joyous moments and stuff like that on the other hand i think it does prevent some people it it is an easy escape for people it's a it's a way for people to stop being present it's a way for people to not have to go out to be sexually gratified or to find real connection it's a way for people to kind of feel it's a it's sometimes it can be a way to cure loneliness or feel like it can yeah. And so I'm a little so on the one hand I see VR porn as being like just an extension. You can't really stop technology and people are going to want that. It's going to make people enjoy. It's a game. You know, it's yeah. people are going to enjoy it. It's a very pleasuresome ex- experience. At the same time, it does pose a lot of dangers. Like I think it if anything it does enhance the likelihood of it becoming an all-consuming experience and you stop feeling the need to connect to you, uh with other humans as much. Uh, um I will say it would be paternalistic for me to say like that people shouldn't do that. Like you're right. If they want to do that, that's their lives. They can, they can fucking do that. But at the same time, like some tech, so there, there just needs to be some awareness. I think that if, if it is to become, you I want a warning on the side of the box saying this could be, well, no, I think, I think it needs thing. to be more of like a social, like, um, understanding. So in the same, when, when TVs were first, invented they would be pulled up to people would pull it up to their dinner tables and just watch tv at the dinner table as close as possible did you have that experience Not in my or? house i was never allowed at the table no. so that would that would happen until it became like so socially taboo for people to do that because people eventually were like fuck what what was i doing what we would stop interacting with each other and just watch tv and similarly i think we're kind of going through that with facebook now where it's becoming a little less popular because people are like fuck we're we're not doing as much human interacting as as we are going in, in any like quick moments that we have to ourselves we'll just go onto our computers and think that like this is going to cure our loneliness so the, it i all i'm saying is like i'm not saying it shouldn't happen i'm not saying what you're doing is bad i think what you're doing is actually in, incredible i want to go work for you yeah i do too i, I think like, this so is the exciting. future and especially the intersection of camming and and VR, this is like, it's it's a blockbuster. And another element, because I just did a video, uh, a, a whole talk on the sex bots. I mean, lifelike dolls that are robotic. How would that fit into what you're doing? 
That could certainly be be an element. Can um, you imagine having what you have and having this sex robot that you can actually have conversations with and have sex with? And uh, I mean, <laughs> you're so, mind blowing. Can I quote uh, this this tweet that I saw? It was like, um, "Oh, you think sex bots are going to replace real women? I've been inside of your houses. You can't even use a coaster. You're going to tell me you're going to clean and maintain a robot that you come in? Okay, Josh. <laughs> oh, I like and that. And I think that's like I that mean, is pretty funny. But, but they the will, and, they, and it's like a flashlight. They will, or they'll be... call someone and, and have it clean for them. But here's the thing: if people are using some other means to take it off sexually and then they have no interest in connecting with another human fucking get them out of the dating pool that that makes it so that when i go out and actually <laughs> want to date someone i know that they're not just there because they're trying to come like that is so funny they're there because they want to connect with a, another human on a higher level that, that is a very good point she brings up so get the people that are only using people for sex out of the dating pool and just get the real people that are into relationships out there that are in no but i still think it's like that's for your benefit but for the person that's actually experiencing that's going into this VR world I think that's where the awareness needs to go because right. for them it, like it's so easy to get caught up into this this little mind space you know like what what do you think about all this because I know I'm probably speaking like yeah, I wanted like to hear your response fucking man who's like ah fuck, fuck technology <laughs> that newfangled stuff it's gonna cause people that get venereal diseases oh god uh, well I think that we've seen this sort of um I don't want to say fear-mongering, but this sort of reactionary, like, oh my gosh, this is going to change society, this is going to change the way people interact, for for decades and decades and decades, ever since Pulp Comics first came out, and there was an entire legal act protecting children from these horrible comics because it's going to ruin them and ruin their character, like... And what about every, marijuana? Yeah, every step of the way, when there's something new that people are really into, we we take it to an extreme and think, what if they go crazy about it? But I think the majority of people don't. I think the majority of people know how to use things within a, a reasonable and, and mature uh, window. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people who are going to go crazy with it, you know what? Let them. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like infantilizing adults helps nobody, mm-hmm. and trying to protect people from their own desires is a waste of time at best. Um and, and are we going to find some some super great BuzzFeed examples of people who just totally fucked up their lives because of this new technology? Sure. But I don't think it's going to be something that is going to be such a concern on a large enough scale to even waste resources on. Like some people are going to fuck up their lives. Some people are going to spend too much time on things that don't benefit them. That's just what they're going to do. But I don't think it's going to be large scale. Part of me also believes that we as humans want to do that no matter what. Yeah. Like when we experience pain, we want to find an escape. And even if if it's not VR porn, it's so going to be drinking or whatever. Drinking. Right. It's, it's going to be Sex fucking. Spots. Yeah, it could be whatever. You know, so it that's kind of our work, I guess, as humans to how do you deal with your own shit. I mean, it's just a diversification of vices. Okay. Right. Exactly. Yes, diversification I don't, I don't see of vices. That's that. so funny. What, what I mean, studies have been done as a librarian. Uh, as far as is cam girl, is is that becoming like obsessions for people? Or I honestly, the studies done on this are usually funded. I mean, you have to take any study with a grain of salt and you have to really investigate like who's paying for it, who's doing it, what are, mm-hmm. are they following actual like respectable scientific procedure? And I think that most of the studies done regarding porn and certainly regarding cam girls are not being run by scientifically respectable entities. Um, I don't think there are any like real good peer-reviewed academic studies that have been done that would condemn any of it. Um, yeah, so I'm not really sure. I read somewhere that you are thinking about expanding this to the medical 
vertical is that possible um yeah so there are a lot of different verticals we could explore with it i think medical would be really cool if you're able to sort of feel present in your therapist's office without having to leave your house especially you know i have a my one of my grandmothers is largely homebound she can't drive it's really hard for her to to get out to get to her doctor and to even have social experiences like sometimes i'm the only person she talks to in a week so um something for her where she could like have a direct line to her doctor where she doesn't have to get a ride get to the office make an appointment if she can just sort of put on this headset and and engage with that person i think would be really help uh, really Mm. helpful especially when it comes to therapy or um, therapeutic yeah um but there there's a lot there's a lot that you can do it and there's already medical applications of vr um a couple years ago i met these guys who had sort of uh they had discovered that some women in their lives had uterine fibrosis and at the time the only real solution and i this is entirely Uh, anecdotal that I had in a discussion with them. So this is not a doctor speaking. I may be completely wrong, but essentially the only real treatment at the time was a hysterectomy. And so they used VR to sort of find ways to train doctors and to target fibroids I think I'm saying it right. You are, um, you're right. I have a fibroid. So yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I to go in and fibroid. remove yeah, them. I got a fibroid. So like, they're benign. They're benign tumors and they're usually <laughs> fed on it by estrogen. All right. and, and they should not be removed unless they're causing, you know, a lot of people have to have them removed. Right. But there's like new removal processes that are being created because of this VR technology. Or a doctor who um, had a, a young child patient who needed to have like, I think, lung surgery. And when you're doing a surgery like that, every minute counts. So they were able to take x-rays and sort of create a virtual representation of what that surgery was going to be like and sort of plot the course oh, wow. to save time when the child is actually like cut open on the operating table. Yeah, my father's having surgery on Friday. They're doing it robotically. Yeah. It's going to be so cool. And uh, they save a lot of time in the hospital afterwards. It, it, it's really a good thing. So. Yeah. So there's good things to be to be had. So Kim. Yes. Has your opinion changed about this whole thing since you've had this discussion? Well, I, I have, think I have a much better idea of what this is, what is happening here. Okay. So thank you very much. Information is power. Information is power. I, I tried VR porn at uh, the AVNs. It, it oh wasn't my God, like great I would... quality. Like, <laughs> There's like such a span of <laughs> good porn to bad porn in VR. I mean, in general, but especially VR. Like, in regular porn, if you see a bad porno, okay, you saw a bad porno. In VR, if you see a porno that, like, the performing sucks, the capture process isn't very good, it's on a camera that's not very good, the post-production oh. stitching is wrong, the eyes aren't lined up correctly, mm-hmm. and especially if you're watching it on, like, a shitty device, you could be completely put off vr porn entirely i think it's so important that we establish like best practices in vr porn so that we're not making shitty vr porn that makes people never want to touch vr again totally yeah yeah, yeah. but i don't know i'll try it out we'll yeah. see where it goes maybe awesome. i'll be fi- finding this in my favorite maybe vice. You'll, maybe we'll you'll see. be a model i might if you You're need if to. you need cam on cam cam cam, cam <laughs> needs cam on cam cam oh. needs some cash <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Cam, how would you feel if I said to you, I'd like to be the next uh, VR Cam Cougar? I would want nothing Ooh. to do with it. Uh, <laughs> do they have any older women doing this? Hey, you know what? You're welcome to. Jesus Christ. Sorry, Cam. <laughs> we'll uh, talk later when you're not around. Uh, we end with the same question every time, okay. which is... Which is... I don't know if this applies to her. I mean, come on. It's... 
That's have right. you ever walked in on your parent having sex or have they walked in on you having sex? No and no. Um, Virtually sex. <laughs> my mother did walk in once uh, I was visiting her for Christmas or something. And I had, this was early on in my porn career where I had like regular cam shows I did on my website, which were shitty and ill-advised. But anyway, I was doing the stupid cam show that I had to do because it was scheduled. And I was like, so there's uh, the door to the guest room and then there's the bed. And I was sitting on the other side of the bed doing the show so that like, if no one, if anyone walked in, I could like pretend I wasn't. But like, I was topless, and my mom was like, "Okay, just whenever you're done, I guess." Oh, <laughs> awesome. I told you, I thought she'd be. I thought that she would have been walked in on. Um, but yeah, so not not like during an intimate, like personal thing. Just like, oh great, now my mom has to see that. She probably didn't need to. She probably didn't care to. But it's not like she didn't know what I was doing. Where do you fall in the sibling order? I am the youngest. Of how many? Three. Do your, do your siblings uh, have anything to say about what you're doing? Oh, they're all super supportive. Oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, my family's very proud of me. That's great. Yeah. You're very lucky. Yeah. I am. I'm incredibly lucky. And very bold. Thank I you. have to say, it, you, the, people should go watch your TED Talk because it, it has nothing to do with the whole VR thing. It has to do with your, your theories on life. The Thank four you. four theories, which I wrote down, which I can't remember what they are. If you want to tell us, I don't the, remember. The taking risks, uh, challenging yourself, yeah, starting over again, yeah, not being afraid to there start you go. a new. Yeah, yeah, I love all of them. Thank you. Oh, Thank you so much. What, do you a lot to me. do you have anything to plug to our audience? How can they find your work? Um, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at E L A darling, Ella darling. Um, and then cam four VR is really the thing I'm promoting and plugging. So cam four, the numeral four dot com slash VR. If you're interested in VR, um, yeah, that's, and who would be after this? Yeah. But follow me on Twitter if you, and Instagram, if you want to see like any new projects that I may be working on in the future, um, I'd love to show you there. That'd be awesome. We are so lucky to have had you on the show. Thank thank you you so much. Thank you so much, you guys. I'm so grateful. It's been fun. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Bye.